0: we mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 108 of X-Lapsed, uh, where we are in the second half of our, I guess, X of Tens Part Zero, our prelude. I was going to say prologue, but I think they call it a prelude. Today we are talking about X-Men Volume 5, Number 12, which had a November 2020 cover date. The story is called Amenth, and we might find out what that word means sometime during this issue. Maybe. Written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Lionel Francis Yu. Colors, Sonny Go. Letters, VCs, Clayton Cows Designs, Tom Muller. Edits, Bisa White, Cebulski. Cover price, $3.99. Went on sale September 16th of 2020. Now let me just start by saying that I read this issue, like, two and a half, three times, and uh, have been absolutely dreading putting together a synopsis, just from, like, from the get-go. Um, now this issue to me is fairly dull stuff, and I'm not quite sure how to connect with it. This stuff is uh, very outside of uh, of the X-Men's wheelhouse, in my opinion. It's also emblematic of many of my current year comic book problems, in that we're introduced to a whole bunch of new and unfamiliar characters and concepts, and we're just told to care. Will we? Maybe, maybe not. As ever, we will endeavor to do our best. Let's crack this thing open, and right off the bat, we got a roll call. Rockslide, Loa, Anol, Summoner, and Apocalypse. Now, we get a roll call for all the characters that we know and can easily recognize, but as for the rest that are about to be dropped into our laps? Nada. <clears throat> Double-page spread of creds, then back to the comics here. Or actually, we start the comics We open back at that game that Rockslide and the Summoner were playing. Now, if you recall, their game was interrupted by the arrival of the Veg-Type Aliens for the Empire cash-in last issue. And, well, they're back at it again. And, if I'm being honest, the game seems painfully dull to both play and watch. The game is interrupted again, but this time by Apocalypse. This is a good and bad thing. Good in that we get to stop playing this awful game, Bad in that uh, we are moving into the next phase of this issue Where, uh, do you hear that beeping? You hear that beeping? That is a dump truck backing up to our open heads About to dump 5,000 pounds of exposition right on in Now Apocalypse mentions that the external gate has been created And made functional Which we saw over in the Excalibur half of our X of Tens Prelude chapter now they send the kids away Rockslide, Loa, and Anoli they're, they're told, get out of here, you know You guys can play your games later We got something to talk about Apocalypse and the Summoner, that is So Apocalypse asks his grandchild The Summoner To speak of the history of Araco. And something called The Fallen World of Amenth And we actually get an entire blank page To introduce the story, Shift Just in case we'd miss it now, we kick off with the splitting of Krakoa and Arako, which we already saw bits and pieces of during Hox Pox. Um, now, the island was split in two with the Twilight Sword. There was a great battle with Arako and the aggressors shoved tidily into a sealed chasm. I think we already knew that, but to be honest, I really didn't care all that much the first time we read it. Enter Apocalypse, the first of the second generation of Mutantum on Earth. So, uh, I guess he's no longer the first mutant ever, and instead it's these boring ass Akarans. Great. We find out here that Apocalypse also had a wife named Genesis, and also four horsemen. We saw them during Hoxpox as well. Then, Amenth, which uh, is apparently a dark world that somehow became involved in all this. I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, this is both kind of cryptic and overwrought to follow. And I'm really having trouble caring. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, Now, there's this character called the White Sword. And he had a hundred champions, and they fought back the Hordes, I think. Then, 300 years ago, the Summoner was born, and the people of Arako lived within a closed-off society. There were towers, walls, stuff like that. Back to this White Sword fella, he'd fight with his 100 against the Amenthi demons every single day until the last of his number would fall. But here's the thing. He's an external, so he was able to bring everyone back to life. So, they die, they come back, and then the white sword the next day would take them into battle again. They would die, they'd come back, and again, and again, and again. So there's something from the past that might actually tie into the present situation with the resurrection protocols, sort of, right? Now, Genesis, the wife of Apocalypse, would say that this death and resurrection cycle became something of a religion, which I guess is another thing to tie then and now together. So, now the Arakoans, Arakkans, I don't know how you say this, never actually knew defeat, as they could keep fighting forever. Now, their defeat, I think, would finally come at the hands of one of their own, a traitor called Iska, a mutant with the power to never lose. And I tell you, this feels kind of like Baby's first Grant Morrison character. Um, This Iska, I think um, she might belong in the Brotherhood of Dada, if you're familiar with uh, the Brotherhood of Dada from Doom Patrol. She seems like she'd fit right in. So, Iska was sent to parlay with the leader of the Amenthi demons, whose name is Annihilation, and joined with the Amenthi as they were always going to win this struggle, and since her power says she can't lose, she had no choice, I think... I'm trying. I'm really trying here. And, you know, I feel like had we not spent the past, like, four issues of X-Men, like, fiddle-frigging around with stupid funny ha-ha stuff, like brew-eating a giant egg in the Empire tie-ins, and maybe gave this Amenthi fairy tale a little, little bit of room to breathe, we might be getting something kind of interesting here. Instead, we're filling a five-pound bag with 50 pounds of content, just cramming and cramming and cramming to the point where we're finding out everything is so important that I can't actually glom onto any of it. It's just... I mean, is this our high-concept stuff that we've heard so much about? I don't know. Let's jump ahead to Genesis meeting with Annihilation. Now, Annihilation, it's worth noting, gives me vibes of the generic Hickman antler-headed aliens from uh, Avengers now, they cross swords, and Apocalypse is made a widower. Now, for the next hundred years, Amenth would decimate Arako, toppling towers, breaching walls, all sorts of nastiness. But ultimately, Arako was able to hold together. I think. Uh, they held together in the hope that Apocalypse was out there somewhere, raising a great society with whom he could come back and save the Iraqians. I think. Next up, an info page, which... This entire friggin' issue probably should have been. Here we get a refresher on summoners. But these are the summoners of Amenth, not the summoners of Arako, or wherever wherever the hell the summoner's from. It looks very familiar. Looks like the, the one we saw way back in X-Men number two. You know. We jump back to the present. Apocalypse brings the summoner to the caldera, where he created the external gate over in Excalibur number twelve. Now, the summoner will pass through and inform everyone who's survived that Apocalypse is coming to save them. And for this trip, he'll be accompanied by Banshee and Eunice the Untouchable, because, why not? And that is pretty much where we leave it. We are on the doorstep of X of Tens, and, uh, can't say I'm terribly excited, but, uh, I will, uh, I will try to be optimistic Um, The next episode is something a little bit different It's on our list, so we're going to cover it Juggernaut number one Don't know that it has anything to do with anything, but it's on our list Gotta cover it But first, let's talk about this issue of X-Men Now, I hate the fact that I've been so negative on the best bunch of books here But uh, here we are again Um... I feel like this was sort of the worst of all worlds sort of a situation here um, On this show, I, I'd i say I complain a lot I observe a lot <laughs> about how certain info pages that we get Should actually be made into comics pages, right? I feel like the info page, the text page, or whatever you want to call it Is kind of a gimmick that is abused I, I mean, it's, it's a gimmick that's abused And it's not always required Well, here I'd like to take that all back. Because this issue, x number 12, needed to be one of two things. A story that unfolded over several issues, or just a friggin' info page. Actually, make that three things. Make that three things while I'm here. As loath as I am to suggest this, but maybe if this was an oversized one-shot, it could have worked better. Not that I want that, But this story, for all the information we get, definitely needed a little bit more room. I mean, this was an exposition dump, and not much more than that. This was a lazy way of dropping a whole bunch of backstory in our laps, with the expectation for us to A, give a crap, and B, want to read more about it. And no, to both, I don't. I really don't. Now that's not to say there weren't interesting bits to this, because there were. It's just the presentation that I find lacking. Maybe things needed to be shuffled around due to the COVID hiatus, right? That's a possibility, though... How much longer are we going to be able to pass the blame onto that? Now, like I said during the rambly as hell synopsis that I, I tried. I tried, guys. Maybe had we not spent from issues 8 to 11 of X-Men on stupid crap, and maybe we had peppered bits and pieces of the X of tens lore throughout... We'd have, been, we'd have given some of these potentially interesting beats Adequate room to breathe I ask again, did we need to see Brew eat the damn egg? Did we need to see Vulcan and his pals getting drunk? No, <laughs> no to both But that's what we got And that's why we got all of this exposition and backstory Jammed into this nearly impenetrable issue I did not enjoy this But I felt bad about not enjoying it Because Hickman is world-building And I love world-building in my comics And as I said, there were potentially interesting bits to this I mean, let's look at some of the cool stuff here As the art is panning through, you know, the eras of Arako Or whatever, just uh, giving us a look inside We see that they have, like, their own form or, Or their own take on the Quiet Council I think that's pretty interesting We also saw a battlefield littered with crucifixions, looking straight out of like the cover of Uncanny X-Men 251, that very famous cover where Wolverine is is crucified on that giant X. Here we have a battlefield full of that. Interesting stuff. The religion of resurrection, which is something we talk about a lot on this show. Interesting. So it's not that the ideas are bad or even half-baked. It's just that they're hitting us like hail on a tin roof. Just too much... And all at once If we absolutely needed stupid filler stories Like the damn king egg And the empire Cassians, Which apparently we did Then maybe this story Should have just been an info page or three At least it would have been Probably less confusing than it was Delivered in sequential art Also I probably would have skipped Those info pages so no harm no foul Right Overall this should have been better Lots of interesting ideas and parallels To our current Dawn of X landscape Really, really good stuff But way too Jam-packed to be to be Both a satisfying and Informational read Just too damn much It looked good, though It did look good, and I, I think this is Lionel Yu's swan song on the X-Books At least for now I think uh, Mahmoud Azrar's coming on As the X-Men artist uh, With the next issue, so Something to look forward to, but, you know, hey, Lionel, you knocked it out of the park for this one. I think he did a real good job. But uh, that's all I got to say about X-Men number 12. Uh, I hate to be so negative, so many episodes in a row. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not fishing for professional retweets, nor do I get these books for free, so I, I don't got any reason to lie to you. This is my honest opinion here. I think these could have been better. I'm willing to give the creators the benefit of the doubt, and perhaps... Suggest that uh, the COVID hiatus had something to do with just how like stutter stop these have been, and uh, and just how the the quality has has sort of fluctuated. You know, it's it's a weird time to be, and it's a weird time to write. So it's possible that uh, we're dealing with some of that right now. But good ideas here, bad delivery, or maybe not bad delivery, just an uneven delivery. But. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how this goes as we get into the uh, the X of Swords uh, story proper in the uh, next few episodes. So That's all i got to say about X-Men number 12 here. But, with X-Men number 12, we wrap up all of our Dawn of X Wave 1 number 12. So, let's do our power rankings here. And, uh, you know, I'm tempted to give the, the nod for number one book to Fallen Angels, just for not having a 12th issue. Because... None of these have been my favorite. Uh, as, as if you've been listening, you'll know that uh, I had issues with uh, with all of these issues. But, since we have to rank them, I guess, let's do it. Now, out of the number 12s, I'd say the best one was New Mutants. Didn't care for it all that much, but it didn't annoy me either. Uh, or, it didn't annoy me quite as much either. Very, very close second is Marauders, which uh, it did it did annoy me a little bit. But uh, it was better than the rest. Third would be this book, X-Men. Fourth would be Excalibur, because Xca- at least with X-Men, I didn't feel like I missed an issue. With Excalibur, I didn't know where the hell we were. And the fifth and final is X-Force, because uh, having Colossus Frog marched out among his peers in cuffs and chains was uh, not something I ever Expected nor wanted to see in any of my X-Men comics here. I mean, I don't even think they did that when he was a bad guy. <laughs> and here he is as one of the X-Men being trotted out and uh, basically displayed as a bad guy, just heading to an interrogation. Not a good look, and uh, as I mentioned, not a good book, but... Those are the Wave 1, number 12 Power Rankings. Number 1, New Mutants. Number 2, Marauders. Number 3, X-Men. Number 4, Excalibur. Number 5, X-Force. Now, before we cut out of here, we have a short mailbag today. Just one letter, so we will get right to it now. It's from Damien, and he's talking about, well, the issue right before this one. X-Men number 11. He says, It's weird to be reading X of 10s lead-ins after reading the actual crossover. I think I've already shared that I gave up every X-book except Marauders after the Brood story, but came back with X of Swords creation. This means I see the portents more clearly than I would have if I'd read this book as released. Rockslide being presented as the first character to approach the summoner explains why he's so important in X of Tens. Rockslide? Eh? Ugh. Not one of my favorites, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll withhold judgment to see how he is uh how he is portrayed in uh, X of 10s there. I think he's a character that would have benefited from being introduced kind of piecemeal. Uh he was out of the uh the uh, was it the Academy X uh new X-Men storyline where he was with the Hellions, I believe, with uh with the kid named Hellion and like Dust and Mercury and stuff. That was just a time where they dumped a whole bunch of characters in our lap and said, care about these people. And then you tried to, and it's like, well, no, I just can't. Maybe give them to us one at a time. Damien continues. The Kotati invasion is presented perfectly in the rest of the issue. This issue actually makes me angrier about Empire colon X-Men, as it's clear that Hickman had a story that could incorporate Empire into his world building. Hell, just adding Exodus and indoctrinating the kids to that series would have given it a level of importance with very few changes. He could have editorialized about The Pretender and presented Explode Boy as an example of selflessness of mutants. Genuinely, this issue makes the crapness of Empire colon X-Men even more offensive. Yes, yes, absolutely. After we finished with X-Men number 11... I was suggesting that this would be the perfect tie-in for Empire if it was just kept to that one issue. Maybe make it a little bit longer. You know, throw the, throw a little bit of the Vulcan stuff in there just to just to give the Kotadi, um, the target of Krakoa. Right, he's got to do something to make them mad, so they know to go to Krakoa and do what they do, and then have Magneto crush him with a bunch of satellites. But yeah, this was a. Uh, this, I think this was probably the best way to do it. And it makes the, the miniseries feel like even more of a waste of time. And even more of just a, an exploitative cash grab, unfortunately. Uh, Damien continues. It's nice to have another issue of X-Men that plays to use strengths. He's the perfect artist for alien invasions as he gets to draw lots of fighting and explosions. He's less good at drawing smiles. I can't imagine anyone trusting someone smiling like the summoner does for a single moment. He comes across as really creepy and evil. Yeah. (laughs) That one, that I actually, uh, I actually like uh, Lionel Yu's uh, summoner here because I don't know what this dude's all about. I, I, I think that, I think there's this weird, I don't want to say a coldness. Like, uh, like, the, but because there, there is a warmth and a coldness to this character, there's just something you don't trust about him. And, uh, I, I don't know how it's gonna turn out in, uh, in Exit 10s, but I really like the creepiness that, that Yu adds to the summoner. It's definitely gonna be weird seeing the summoner drawn by someone who isn't him. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming we're gonna get some, uh, some images of the summoner drawn by other artists in the next couple of, uh, next couple of chapters. So that'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yes, your point is well taken here. Uh, you just killed it with the, with the explosions and, and dropping the satellites. I think he did a heck of a good job here. Really, really good stuff here. Now, Damien wraps up with, Until the entire nation of Kokoa does dry January, make my next lapse. Well, I don't see that happening anytime soon. <laughs> so, uh, we'll be together for a very long time, and that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But that's all for the mailbag today uh, if anybody would like to write in and chat me up please feel free to do so you can find me on Twitter at ace comics or weird comics history at gmail.com you can check out blog posts and show notes over at Chris' earth.com or x dot Chris If you'd like to join the conversation on Facebook maybe tell me that I'm far too negative and I should uh, I should be nicer to these books please feel free to do so you can join us on 90s X-men on Facebook. And you can listen to the rest of the Chris and Reggie audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. I think that's where we'll leave it for today. I want to thank you all so, so much for sharing your time with me, even in these uh, these more divisive issues. These, uh, I, Like I said, I, I hate being negative about these books um, because there's enough of that out in the world, isn't it? You know, it's, it's easy to complain. But, you know, I guess it's also easy just to say everything is sunshine and rainbows when it's uh, when it's not your true thoughts, right? But uh, I definitely want to thank everyone for sticking with me, even in these more negative episodes. So uh, thank you all. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you all again real soon. See ya.